Now, in this training, it isn't that you're coming to get a box of tricks to take back to your work site to change kids. <laughs> it's really more of a, an opportunity to begin a paradigm shift that has to happen. So we don't have silver bullets. Those don't exist. Some people will tell you that there are silver bullets, but research tells us that if we don't know the science behind average childhood experiences, we're destined to jump to conclusions or solutions that won't work. And what are the hallmarks of a trauma-informed school? We're not just talking about the academic piece. We're talking about compassion. Uh, We know that we will be responsible for teaching students self-regulation and helping them to be both emotionally well and physically well and academically well. And there's a school community component, uh, which means that we embrace teamwork and that staff share responsibility with the students. The other thing is that it isn't um, a one-time thing that you are suddenly trauma-informed and you can check that off. It's It's an ongoing process. Our students are changing. Their needs are changing. When we look up, look at Um, the different types of household dysfunction. Uh, There are some things that are happening in the lives of these kids when they're away from school that many of us would never even imagine. What is the risk of not doing this? Well, when I first started delving into the trauma work, I was led to it because it was connected to student behavior because, you know, that's kind of how it manifests itself for our members. But when you look at the research, um, it started off as, a medical study. And what I've come to find through some of the professional development that I've gotten is that this is a public health crisis. And so if we don't eradicate this public health crisis, it will only fester and get worse. So what would you say then is the biggest challenge to overcome? One of them is working in silos. And here's what I mean by that. We have seen things move forward much quicker when the medical profession, when the behavioral science or behavioral health folks, where the education folks, where the businesses, where the uh, legislators are all at the same table having these conversations, leveraging assets. You know, when we have these conversations, we can do more together. So I think that the more summits that we can have where people are not only coming together to talk about or raise the level of awareness about adverse childhood experiences, but determine next steps and how we can all move this thing forward, I think the better off we'll be. But I don't want to have that sound like I don't think certain resources are important. I mean, funding is critically important. There's professional development that is critically important, and that's ongoing professional development. I also think that, you know, the ability to provide uh, behavioral health services and in some cases to provide um, the, the medical services that are needed. I try to ask this in every interview with regard to this subject. What is something that kind of keeps you up at night? Oh, gosh. Just the, the urgency of it while we're trying to pull people together, while we're trying to convince people that this is real and that it isn't going anywhere. There are casualties. Let me break that down a little bit. So because a lot of folks that come to our trainings want answers and strategies now, they want to go back to their classrooms and and fix the kids. The student obviously needs some assistance, but we have to look at them differently. We might say that there's something wrong with them, 
but there's a reason. And until we can get people to make that shift, we have casualties figuratively and literally. What drives you forward in this work? What is keeping you doing this every day? And you don't have to speak for IEA. I'm asking you to speak personally. Okay. And, and I thank you for allowing me to do that because I'll tell you that I started with the assignment of doing the ACES work within the Illinois Education Association probably a few months before my life changed drastically. And here's what I mean by that. For reasons that we don't even need to get into, um, I became the caretaker of my great-niece and two great-nephews. Great-niece was eight months old at the time, and two great-nephews, one was six and one was eight. Now, you know that um, children are not removed from their parents without reason, okay? Coming up in July, they will have been with me for three years. I see firsthand in my everyday dealings with these three babies uh, the impact of adverse childhood experiences, and I just am so hopeful for them that if we continue this work, that by the time my youngest, who uh, will be four in November, when, when, when we haven't decided where she'll start kindergarten, but wherever she starts kindergarten, that place will be trauma-informed. And my two boys, as they continue to matriculate at their different schools, that those schools will continue to become trauma-informed. And I see the impact of what I have learned in doing this work help those three to move along. So it, it is, for me, it is, it's, it's very personal. I love the work anyway, but to see up close and personal and to know that helping them to build resilience really does make a difference, lets me know that I'm doing the right thing.